I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 9 of the Parenting Aces Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and my guest this week is former UCLA Bruin, men's tennis standout, Carew Sell. I'm so excited to have Carew on the show. We've been trying to make this happen for a couple years now, and now that his latest gig as Naomi Osaka's hitting partner, Naomi Osaka, that Naomi Osaka, U.S. Open women's singles champion this year. What a cool job that crew has. And I was super excited to have him talk about that. But more importantly, to talk about how important his college tennis career has been to him, not only as a player, but also in his personal growth as a human being, and how he has parlayed that experience and those relationships into some amazing professional opportunities. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with former UCLA Bruin, Carew Sell. Hey, Carew Sell. Thanks so much for finally getting on the podcast. We've been trying to make this happen for a while now. I know. It's long overdue. Last week was just a little bit crazy after the open, Uh but... um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I should have should have done this a while a while back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I met while you were playing on the team at UCLA, and it's been a while now. But your most recent gig is as the hitting partner for the 2020 U.S. Open Women's Singles Champion Naomi yeah. Osaka. What a cool gig! Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we kind of started this this year. Like she moved to LA, and you know, somehow I. You know, they, they got my name, I got connected with them, like, let's do a little tryout. I wasn't really, I was kind of in between. I had just kind of quit the tour and I was doing a little more coaching and things like that. Um, and, you know, I just thought it was like a really cool opportunity, not just working with her, but I think, you know, being someone who's probably wants to stay in coaching, uh, being in that environment, being with some, you know, her new coach was obviously a guy who was very successful. So uh, I just kind of took that as a, you know, a very good experience you know, for the next however long I do it, I think I'm going to learn a lot. And, you know, having a slam in in pretty much two tournaments that we played this year, we played four tournaments. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we we somehow, you know, got this slam. So um, it was really, really cool to be a part of. That's amazing. So what does it mean to be a hitting partner? I mean, I've listened to you talk with other people about, you know, more of the specifics of what y'all did right before a match or this or that. But in the bigger picture, you know, when somebody calls you up and says, hey, we want to hire you to be the hitting partner for this top player. I mean, it's, what questions are you asking? What is your job description? It's it's a little tricky because I think it really depends on the person you're playing, you're, you're going to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I've heard some pretty like bad stories for some for some women, you know, how they treat their hating partners. And, um, you know, even coaches can be a little, you know, just shut up and be a hating partner kind of thing. So um, it, it is... Yes, it's mostly hitting, you know, it's, and some coaches will, you know, want more feedback. Some coaches will want, you know, you know just kind of be on your side and don't say anything. Um, I'm lucky that both Naomi 
um, and when appreciate the feedback. So, you know, I'm more as like at this point, you know, learning and, you know, assisting with however I can, obviously like, you know, Wim is the head coach and he makes all the decisions, but um, I, I'm opinionated in some way. So like sometimes I, I go to him and be like, look, this is how I see it. Um, this is what I think. Um, not just bad things, but good things, mostly good right. things. I'm like, hey, she is – I mean, I'm the guy who's taking the uh, the beating pretty much. I'm hitting, running, and doing all those things, and I can tell when she's really, really improving certain things. And, and, and I mean, it was really – from w when we started in, in January to, to now, I think she's really developed. So I think that's a really fun part of the job. Like, I do – I'm ambitious that way that I want to see the players I work with, even if it's juniors, to – to really get better and and you're seeing her it to a certain extent um winning slams already three but still thinking that she has so much to to that she can improve mm -hmm. it's a cool thought that you're like oh my god she's not even at her best yet and she's already doing this so i think that's kind of like what excites us uh, me the coach or whoever so that's really really fun yeah. And when you say Wim, you mean Wim Fassett, who yeah. is Naomi's coach now. And so as the hitting partner, obviously you're not the coach. There is a coach, but you're on the court, as you said, you're seeing and feeling what's coming off her racket. You're seeing and feeling her movement, her ability to get up to the ball, whatever. Um, and so I mean, for most players, is the coach looking to the hitting partner for some direct input on, you know, what you are can contribute to the team and to her development and to her performance? Or, I mean, I know you said some coaches just want you to get out there and return serves and yeah, and just make balls, balls right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't make mistakes. That's pretty right. much some, some what some players and coaches want. Yeah, um, I think again, it just kind of comes down to who you are working for uh, in this situation and I think I honestly don't think I would be doing this if it was the other way because um, yeah. then what am you know what am I learning from I'm just like shutting up and you know being on the so I, I you know I've been fortunate that you know Wim being a younger coach too he's only I think 40 39 40 um, and I think he he came in with me as well he was the new guy right in December so we both came in and I kind of gave her the space there's a lot of people, new people. So I gave her the space to like get to know Wim more and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, I could tell that Wim was a guy who, you know, appreciated some of the feedback. It didn't really mean I, I was right or wrong. It was more like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Like, because at the same time, it is the, the ways that I'm like, hey, like, this is how I can hurt her kind of easily. Or this is kind of how, you know, she's not really pushing me as much as I feel like she should on this ball, mm -hmm. things like that. So I think, I mean, at the end of the day, um, it really depends on who you're working for. And I'm lucky that in, in this case, uh, it's really nice and open. The team communicates well, isn't like, it's not very, it's not very egotistical in a certain extent where, you know, sometimes coaches can be a little bit like, you know, it's my job, like, you know, don't do anything. But in this case, it's not. And again, Naomi, it's like, she's so nice and chill and she doesn't like, you know, she's kind of like easy to be, to, to work for. So um, it's a really nice uh, situation that for me and I think for everyone that works with her. Yeah. Like college tennis, Naomi's team is very international. 
mean, y'all, y'all come from all over the globe, including Naomi herself. So how does that play into things? Are there some cultural things that come up or has everybody kind of adjusted to one another? I think everyone's adjusted. I think um, spending like a month in a house with, with them was like, you know, then you really see it, how, you know, Yutaka and uh, and Nana, who who are both Japanese, uh, but really really Japanese, they really like you know embrace that. And then me and Wim, uh, Wim, I actually like some of my best friends are French and European, so I, I do get along well. He's Belgian, but I do get along well with uh, European people. So like we, me and him, like you know we'll we'll have we'll have a good time together as well. Um, and I think to what we do well is we Naomi you know she likes her her time by herself and she doesn't not one of those players that like the team needs to be together all the time uh so we you know we have our freedom to do our things and kind of just like you know chill so if anything um i think that that kind of helps in that situation where like everyone's from a different part of the world and you can but you have your own your own space to do your thing as well so it's it's fun and it's you end up learning a lot from you know other cultures and other sure. people and how things are because I think we all have just generalized views of like oh how it is to be Japanese how it is to be Brazilian how it is to be Belgian whatever it is so it's like it's nice and, it, and it's a good environment to be around. Did Naomi hire you or did Wim hire you or did somebody well, the else? Agent, the agent her agent uh, uh, Stewart was uh, the one who who messaged me first. Okay. Um, when they at the time was in December I got I got a message. I got a bunch of messages. I remember being before the Asian tour, the Asian mm-hmm. swing last year. I got a, a few people texting me like, hey, there's like someone is moving to L.A. I can tell you who they're going to be looking for a hitting partner. <laughs> and then I, that week, this yeah, is so weird. I know. And then that week I got legit four people. By the fourth call, I was like, look, like tell them I'm available. Just have them reach out to me. Like I, yes. this is like literally the fourth time. But then I didn't hear anything from from anyone. Mm-hmm. They went to Asia. I, I can't remember who was coaching her at the time. I think it was just her dad. I, I don't really know. Um, so I didn't really hear much. And then I think later that year, like af- I think probably after the Asian swing and all that, I got a text from Stewart. Um, and then, you know, we met up. He was like, hey, let's just do a little tryout in December, see what sure. happens. And we, we trained actually uh, at UCLA a good amount at that time. And then um, – they were like, okay, I'm going to Australia. You're coming? I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so uh, it just kind of it was very organic. It was nothing was okay. forced. And, you know, I, I told them, like, look, I'm in a good situation in L.A. Like, to be honest, like, you know, I a lot of it I didn't want to give up here. I had a, you know, great schedule working with some kids I really liked. Um, but, you know, obviously uh, it is something that I, feel, I felt like I had to do. For yeah. the learning experience and all that, so it, it's been it's been really nice. But he, oh, Naomi doesn't really do much of that stuff. It's all it's on the agent. The agents. <laughs> yeah. So, what was the night after the U.S. Open win? What did y'all do? How did oh y'all celebrate? It's, it's actually so lame to talk about it because we we couldn't really do anything still because Naomi couldn't leave the bubble. She next day she were you had, in the bubble. Y'all all had to be in the bubble too, all, right? We all had to be in the bubble. So the thing is, Naomi had to. I think she had a lot of like media stuff the next day, and mm-hmm. and had to go back to the site and all that stuff. So they were like, "Yeah, you can't. You just can't go out tonight. Like you can't. You can't leave the bubble." 
So we were like, so we get how anticlimactic. I know, I know. And I was like, I, you know, I was the devil on the shoulder, but I was like, okay, fine. Like, let's stay in. And we were at a big house and they had like a a bar stocked with stuff. So we just like, we ended up like, you know, (laughs) drinking tequila and like ordering pizza and just like having a good time for a while. But at the end of the day, I mean, she was drained. You could tell she was like drained at the end. And so, I mean, you win it and then you have like, we were like there for three, four hours, you know, the team just doing really nothing besides like some pictures. And mm-hmm. she was going back and forth, back and forth. So at the end of the day, I, I, I always felt like you win a tournament like that. It's almost like a weight off your shoulder that sometimes you don't even want to go out. You just kind of want to like, okay, I can finally like stop thinking about it. And then, you know, I feel like you would celebrate maybe like a week later. It would be like a fun thing to do. But I, I came back to L.A. the next day. I think we all flew uh, on Sunday because we couldn't be in the house anymore. <laughs> so, sick of each other. Yeah, we are just like, no, let's get out of here. So yeah, I wanted <laughs> to get back to L.A. I have a, I got a puppy recently, so like I had to like Aww. come back to, <laughs> I had to come back to the, to him. So I just like left, but it was it was it was a good time. I think it's just overall it was a, it was a nice time. And you know, she, I think she went and celebrated with her grandma the next day and did all that kind of stuff. So again, we just kind of leave her to do her thing. Right. That's very cool. So speaking of L.A., you came to Los Angeles to attend UCLA to play college tennis under Billy Martin. Grant Chen was there and um, you had an amazing career at UCLA. You have since been pretty outspoken on social media about college tennis. Jen Brady's success at the U.S. Open this year really opened the door for you to kind of go off a little bit on Twitter, which I love seeing because um, we need people like you really, you know, holding the banner for college tennis, especially now. What do you feel like the greatest gift or gifts that college tennis gave you that have provided opportunities that you are now able to take advantage of? I mean, there's so many. Um, So obviously, I mean, it kind of goes, it's like, it's almost like a a progression as you get older, like the gifts almost change. But like at the time for me, for example, at 18, 18, I, I kind of had lost the fire a little bit. Um, you know, I was playing, I was a good junior, but like, I just didn't have it in me to go play, play futures. And my friends were all having a good time. And yeah, like, you know, you have to sacrifice those things, but sometimes you're just not mature enough at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I almost like luckily got into UCLA. It was like a very, I was, I was pretty much going somewhere else. I was going to Florida state and then oh, opened up a spot there billy sent me an email i came without visiting it was all like very you know last which is typical right it's very typical of international players to show up on campus and that's their first time seeing the campus meeting the coaches in person meeting their teammates yeah and at the time like i didn't really know the difference between like i remember florida state being like a good uh school at the time i think they were like top 20 top some I, i but I didn't really know what was the difference between, you know, oh, you're five in the country, three in the country. So right. you, you know very little. And then by the time I was at UCLA with the team that we had, I mean, we would play, we would play like someone who was eight and almost like, I mean, we got to show up, but we're never going to win. So mm-hmm. it was like, it was a different, like, it was just a different thing. And again, like going back to your question, it's like, okay, at the time that really brought like the fire of competing for something that wasn't just for me. 
Um, I, I was terrible in the fall because in the fall didn't really matter. It wasn't like a team yeah. thing. It was just all individual. But once the, the dual season started, I was locked in. I loved it. I loved the dual season. I, I loved the team aspect of it. So I was playing, I mean, I was really playing, you know, just for the team. I won in a national championship so badly that like, you know, that, that gave me fire. And, and then, you know, off the court stuff like you know you obviously have to worry about you know it's just adulting and stuff paying rent and you know budgeting right. and things like that and obviously school uh, it's a big part and I've always been a guy who at the end of the day I play it safer than maybe I should but that's just my personality and I I just wanted to have that backup that, that I went to, to college and you know I can can get a job in these days I mean having a bachelor is almost like it's almost having a high school diploma at the right. end of the day. It's the minimum you can get, right? So, you know, those four years I matured a lot. Like in just in the sense of, you know, you know, understanding the the, the work ethic you needed and understanding um, you know, the the grind on the tour and all those kind of things that that at first, you know, seemed like a huge thing. And then when I actually went back to play, um, they didn't. I mean, the only thing the only really hard that was hard for me was financially but the the other stuff like oh we're traveling oh we're playing it's not you know it wasn't that big of a deal because i was much more mature at that point and i was able to succeed much much i think much faster on the tour because of that so um i don't think i would have gone to to the ranking i got if i just had stayed in brazil i think i would have quit by like 20 i i truly believe that that i would probably have quit by 20 and this way, I was like hungry at 24. Still, I still loved it, and I, you know, I worked at Pepperdine before I even I started playing. So college tennis, like, I really loved it. I really liked, you know, seeing those guys succeeding, and 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 I just, it, you know, again, just not. There's that selfish component of being a tennis player. At the end of the day, you, you play for yourself, mm-hmm. uh, and at UCLA, we we have our internal competitiveness, but. Um, we, you know, we all like played for the same goal at the end of the day. So I think that was really awesome. And also, you know, my best friends, the guys that I text on a daily basis, uh, not just tennis players, but guys that you know I met in college and, and, you know, lived with in college. So, you know, it's been a really rewarding experience. And it's almost like my little, you know, it's your little community. Um, you're always going to have that. UCLA is a thing. I can always go there, watch the matches, Billy. Uh, the coaches, seeing the new guys come in, it's always going to be a thing, even if I'm old. And you look at the, the one, you know, the older alumni, and you're like, you know, what what are these guys doing? Like, don't they have like anything else to do? But they love it. They love it. So, and I feel like I'm going to be that guy. So, um, it's a really, really exciting thing. And I, I mean, again, I couldn't recommend it more. And it ma- really makes me sad seeing this 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 program's being cut right now. Yeah, it's like it's a really bad thing. It's, it's horrid. And, you know, I tweet about it all the time, too, and talk about it on the podcast and other places as well. I don't know what the solution is right now. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the ITA's role is, what USTA's role is to preserve these programs and make yeah. sure that these up and coming juniors have college tennis exactly. to, to play when they yeah. get to age 18, you know. Yeah, I don't. What? I don't really know either because I don't really know the financial, really the nitty and gritty of the financial part of this. But I, I mean, some of these teams they're not small schools. I'm sure they no. have, they have the the money. I'm sure they have endowment. They they have all these things that, 
I mean, it has to be a one percent budget cut. Not even like tennis. Tennis yeah. does not cost that much. Like, um, you know, I so I just. It's almost like they're using COVID as an excuse to like, oh, we wanted to cut this programs earlier, yeah. but like we couldn't really. And now we can say it's COVID. But I mean, right. I, I even saw uh, it is not tennis, but Stanford cut some big programs. Like, what was it soccer and like, I don't know if swimming, like big, big programs. I'm like, come on, Stanford, you you guys make what billions of dollars in endowment every yeah. year. Like that's that you're not you know th- again this is not football you're like you're not spending that much i mean football brings revenue but right it's like what maybe a million a year to run a program and that again i don't really know the numbers but i just find that wh- what was the the last one that got cut was it iowa or there was a big one that got cut. yeah like, yeah and i was like i was like, what I, like this this is a team i know oh or was it not iowa there was there, it was iowa but there was another one that a friend of mine played Minnesota was it Minnesota that got Minnesota cut? Just Minnesota just yes. got cut. These guys were like top twenty, right? I think recently. It makes no sense. It makes, it makes no, no sense. sense. I so, can't believe it. What do you feel like is the responsibility of the alumni of college tennis programs to really get out and speak out and fight for the preservation of these teams? I mean, do you feel a personal responsibility as a Bruin to? to speak out and say, Hey, we can't let these programs go away. We need this. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I obviously, you know, I find it hard to believe that UCLA would be cut. You know, I, I, I mean, we're just such a well, historic too, but we never yeah. know, you know what I mean? Right. You just never know. So, but I, I do think like I need to speak out just because there is a, this misconception, I think where, Yes, I went to UCLA. It was a really good school. I mean, we're top five every year, ranked number one in the, in the nation and all that. And I think a lot of people, even players from Brazil that played in smaller schools, they always ask me how it was and like this and that. And I always think, I always tell them, I was like, look, yes, we're a great team, but I guarantee your experience was very similar at whatever school you were, even if it was smaller. I, I do think the, you know, the growth, the, the personal growth, all those kind of things happen at really any level, if you play college tennis, that that you know camaraderie you have with your teammates, all those kind of things happen in pretty much. If you're playing for a hundred number a hundred, and if you're playing for right. number ten, so when I see these guys getting cut, it's just so many players that you know probably played for you know all their lives. They got into their you know smaller school. Sometimes they're not even small. There's big schools with the tennis teams that aren't that that great, but they can go out there play even if they're not full, on full rides. Yep. They'll have that experience, and you know they'll learn from that. They'll probably get a job from it from being right. on on the tennis team because like there is the the, the sports kind of you know they help you with that that kind of stuff, and you know employees the uh, employers love. Hiring, hiring former student athletes. It's they sure a big do. Thing. They yeah. do. So, um, I, I just find it crazy. Find it crazy. I think at the end of the day, we can look at sports. There, there's people who look at sports and not see as a as an essential thing, and I see it as like an incredibly essential thing for anyone. For like little kids who have to you know be out and. No, again, I used to work at First Break a little bit down in, in Carson, like uh, Mark Lucero and Rick Bookta, 
uh, they have like the little nonprofit there. And, you know, I saw how important it was for those parents to have the kids like, hey, uh, we have a place to send them in right. the afternoon. Um, and all those kind of things like you grow up, you know, I think it's just important for kids. And but you, what's the incentive if you're playing a sport that like you don't you can't even go to college for right. I'm not saying pros because 90 again, 1% of people are good enough to make in pros 1% like 0.1%. Yeah. But 99, <laughs> but 99% of people like are going to have a good time in college. And I, you know, we did with my tennis school, we did the, the series of college interviews and you'd see guys like Cameron Nori, Mackie, um, they, they wouldn't have traded for anything, even though they would have, they would have been top hundred, uh, you know, earlier probably, but they're mm -hmm. like, yeah, those three years that I was there, I wouldn't have traded for anything. Like I had a great time. I got it out of my system and I'm 21 and I'm, you know, out there playing. So, right. Again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of feelings seeing the, the, those, those programs getting cut because I don't think I never, I don't think I ever thought of the fragility of men, mm. of tennis. I always felt like, oh, tennis is like a big college sport, yep. but it's not really, yeah. I guess it's very like, and I don't want it to become like, I, my biggest fear is it becoming like volleyball or um, even though volleyball is big, it doesn't have that many teams mm -hmm. or like one of those sports that like have only like a handful of teams. Oh, we don't have like 16 teams in the country. I think that yeah. would be terrible. I think yep. that would be really bad. Or, you know, there's like the other ones like lacrosse, I think is like that. There's like some sports that are really like they're just so small. small. Yeah. Um, and they could grow as well. Uh, and I really wouldn't want tennis going from whatever, 150 teams plus D2, D3, all that to to being like a really, really small, like kind of niche yeah. uh, thing. So. so during the U.S. Open this year, one of your fellow Bruins, Jen Brady, yeah. had an amazing run. She got stopped by... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, by I your employer. To, I, I had to, <laughs> she had to lose. <laughs> she had to lose. I mean, that, was, that had to have been tough for you because yeah. I know you and Jen were at UCLA at the same time. You all yeah. crisscrossed a little bit. But how important to college tennis was Jen's run at the U.S. Open, do you think? I think it was really important, especially on, on the female side, because I think we, we are seeing more and more success uh, on the male side um, from guys that are coming from from college i think a lot more challenger winners and guys on the top 100 uh but on the the female side still taking a little bit longer for you know i think there's a lot of doubles girls but i right. think the singles is is it still struggles a little bit um getting those those girls from college to really break through and you know i i think her run can show that like i i think on the the women's side there's still a lot of like ah oh, she's like 18 and that's why she's good just because she's top 100 there's a lot of age things where the men's side is getting so much older they're like right. 22 is very young you know what i mean yeah and on the female side 22 you don't win a slam who are you kind of thing i'm like no it's not <laughs> well it's not that's because we've got coco Goff out there we've exactly. got amanda and exactly. samova I mean, we've got all but, these but they're ones. so out of the curve and i think yeah. it's important to, to to tell yourself like look there's some people who are out of the curve and there's some people who the process takes longer and right. Jenny is clearly that person. I, I mean, I was there with her at UCLA, and she obviously was a great player, but she was playing three. She wasn't even playing one. Right. Right. She was playing three. Uh, and you could tell she she was still, you know, almost like 
immature to a certain way about, you know, understanding the work that she needed to put in and and all that. And I think she needed that time. I think she needed the 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 I don't know if she was there for two or three years, but she needed a little bit of time to I think get that together. And even the transition from to the pros, I think like she got to top hundred, but like she had like, you know, a little bit of a drop, a fallout. And then now she finally like I think she started working with this uh German coach and you know the preseason in, in Germany, all this stuff, and she really is understanding, you know, the level of work she needs to put in. And she's 25 or uh, not even, maybe 25, 24. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just, I mean, it's so important to see, not, I mean, a semifinal of slam. It's, it's a huge accomplishment. Huge. Like, I can't remember anyone from college who's done this in, in, in quite some time. I don't know if Isner has done it or, but it, you know, it's been, you know, it was really nice to see. And it is just like the, you know, opens your eyes again, a, player who she was good at UCLA she was not num- she was not number one and and I think a lot of the times where you know you see commentators like oh it's almost like you have to play play one for your school and otherwise you're not going to be good and things like that I'm like no you know what yeah. I mean you, you you can play for a very good school be at two three four whatever and, and still you know be able to compete and maximize your potential and I think that's the important thing where you, where you see it doesn't mean, you know, success is relative to like, you know, it's, it's what you think as success. I mean, there's what people will think, but there's your success. And there, for some players, maybe getting to 400 was a huge accomplishment that they never thought they would. But they came out of college just like a different player, like Dodd Kopfer. Mm-hmm. Kopfer played, I mean, who, who was Kopfer before he came to Tulane? And holy cow yeah, this week, right? It. Yeah, I think he said it this week. He was like, yeah, it was not very good coming into college. Yeah, he did say that. He did say that. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, he was, I mean, he was very good in college. He was like number one for two years. But yeah. he was very, very good uh, after a couple of years in college. And and I was like, look, I mean, Kopfer, who was he? Like, no one no one understood why he was at Tulane. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is a guy who would be playing one for UCLA, for USC, for Virginia, for anyone. And so, you know, there's like so many guys uh, and girls doing that now. And I right. think it's important to see like, hey, making a third round of a slam these days or make, making, you know, quarter semi top 100 is a big deal. They're going to make a living. They're doing well. Um, yes, they, you know, if someone is going to win a slam out of college, I mean, it might take a little bit of time. It's mm-hmm. going to be tough. But, you know, for their personal development and their personal, like, achievements i mean it's incredible to see obviously marco's one of my good friends finally yeah. broke top 100 this year after you know grinding it out on the tour um but you know i mean i talk to the guy every day like he it wouldn't again wouldn't have traded his time at ucla for anything so it's like yeah. it's very very important and i think you know cutting program is a really bad thing well you you tweeted something about you know, the importance of college tennis for personal growth. And, yeah. and I've kind of titled this podcast, you know, personal yeah. growth through college tennis. Um, it's not just about, you know, as you said, getting better as a tennis player, but really getting better as a human, right? Yeah. Um, learning interpersonal skills, learning how to manage your life, learning how the adulting things, as you referenced. Yeah. And I, I, you know, to me, I I love college tennis. There's yeah. so many things about it. I didn't play myself, but my son did, and I it, 
for me, getting to go watch those matches was just incredible. And, and even still going out to the college matches to me is thrilling because there's a level of commitment and fight and, and that sense of doing it for something bigger than yourself that you don't get anywhere else in our sport. And yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, I, I, I do believe that, I mean, we obviously have to look at tennis as product um, and as an entertainment product, it is getting a little bit stale to a certain extent. It's like you have all these guys just always winning the same. They're always winning, you know, on the women's side. It's it's a little more refreshing. I think even yeah. I think their, their ratings are going up a lot, which is nice. But still, like, you know, someone sitting sitting out sitting and watching a five hour match that, <laughs> you know, they don't really care for the players. It's an affiliation problem. It's hard to like not like. Yeah. In, in team sports, you can affiliate yourself to your city. Your city has like the Lakers, the this and that. It's much right. easier. UCLA, USC, it's easier to affiliate yourself. So then you're going to go watch a UCLA tennis match and you're going to be into it. I, I remember, was it, no, it wasn't last year. It was was one of these matches against USC they played. I happened to be there. I was like, oh, I'm going to go watch. I got there late. I was like, I barely watched any of that. I, I think it was like the most exciting 30 minutes of tennis I've ever watched. And I played and I was like on the edge. Like it was, I think it was Ben Goldberg clinched against a, a, a ten, not, not tenor, Riley Smith. And it was wild. And I was like, oh my God, those, like, those are the best times. And I look sometimes, I like, I get nostalgic and watch like some of the old matches on, on YouTube. Um, of me or or the guys playing the clinching and I mean things got rowdy it was so much fun oh, yeah. and the celebration afterwards we'll go back to our apartments go crazy and I think that's just really important um, as a product it's very entertaining to college tennis is a good entertaining product it's just hard I mean it's hard to broadcast live it's a little bit easier but at the end of the day, it is fun. It is thrilling. And, and I think team events, team events in pros are really successful. Like yeah. people don't talk about it enough. The World Team Cup. Tennis had an amazing season exactly. this summer, World right? World Team Tennis, Labor yeah. Cup, uh, ATP Cup. It's much easier to get like a country behind uh, yeah. Dusan Lajovic uh, right. than, um, you know, when Serbia has Djokovic and Dusan Lajovic, they think about Djokovic. They don't really think about Dusan Lajovic. But when you put, hey, it's Serbia playing, then yeah. it doesn't matter who is there. They're going to be right. like all over it. I was there for the ATP Cup, and I was like, oh, my God, these people are getting wild. Um, so cool. it, it is much better. So I, I just think there's – I don't know exactly how to do it because, again, it's, it's just a huge thing. But – you can look at college tennis as a product and, and I don't know, still tr- somehow try to expand it, tr- try to make it, you know, I, I wouldn't say you can make it too profitable, but you can make it like a really fun product. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ways that you could implement that, at, you know, at the, the higher level. Mm-hmm. The more players have this opportunity to play for, you know, for a team. A lot of players love playing those club club events in Europe because yeah. you play in a team event and you make right. some money. And you play for the team, and they love it. So it's like it, we grow up. It's it's a loner sport. It is a very loner sport. And then you all of a sudden you have that like you know you're almost like injected with adrenaline playing for a team. You're like, oh yeah, like you know, it, it's not really like it's not really yes. about 
Play. Especially the men. Y'all are exactly. Oh my god, he gets, he gets wild. There. Yeah. But it's it's almost like and I say to you know a lot of my students who want to play college, like, look, like your pretty strokes are not going to win you matches in college. <laughs> it's not where it's gonna if you are crumbling under pressure playing a second round at a level three and and that really gets to you. Wait until you get to college right. and people are screaming at you and you're having to clinch a match, things like that. And that, I mean, matches are won with like heart in college at the end of the day. And if right. anyone has that, I remember we added uh, my senior year, we added uh, Logan Staggs to the team. Little lefty, crazy back end, like just sliced and diced, but good for him. But he was, I mean, five, he was like Diego Schwartzman, high, smaller yeah. probably. And I was like, I knew when he came in, I was like, this guy's going to be a, make a difference. I knew it. I knew it because he just competed. He was a kind of an ass on the court, to be honest. <laughs> and he wouldn't lose. He wouldn't lose. Yeah. Like he, would, he came back from like, a, I remember a 6-1, six, 5-2, love match and just found a way, crawled his way back into the match. And you can tell like some guys, some guys are just good, like a Mackie. Yeah. Mackie is just yeah. good. Right. right. But there's some guys who are just perfect for college tennis and it's, and it's entertaining to watch those guys. It doesn't yeah. matter if they're playing six or one or whatever. So it's it's fun. And I really like it. And I, hope, I wish more people understood how fun it can be, you know? Yeah. Well, so you're, you're doing this work with Naomi right now. And at the same time, you've launched a new website yeah. with two other guys, um, My Tennis HQ. And I'm going to just pull it up on the screen for people that want to take a look at it. What was the reason for developing My Tennis HQ? What are you hoping to accomplish with it? And, you know, what's kind of your one-year plan with this project? Uh, it kind of came, so my buddy Guy Hadlich, who um, he played at Pepperdine. He was number one for Pepperdine for many years. Um, he is very, very smart guy, and he, he, he's always learning new skills different ways, and he learned about building websites and, like, that creating that sort of, like, you know, organic traffic, things like that, and we, he, he messaged me one day, he's like, look, I'm a guy who's, I, I'm, I'm into, like, creative things, like photography, videography, I love that kind of stuff, and it's like, look, we, you like doing that stuff, uh, I know how to build the site and how to, you know, the formula to do those things, like, why don't we just partner up, you and I obviously have a lot of experience in tennis, we have, um, you know, access to a lot of players to, you know, obviously now with my work with Naomi, I have, you know, all these perspectives that very few people have. Right. Um, and it was like, hey, we can create, you know, content, tennis content that is built from players who, who've done it, who've played. He played not only at Pepperdine, but he played some on the tour before he, he decided to go to Pepperdine. And we understand um, yes, we don't, you know, we didn't make the top hundred, but we understand the challenges to that, that, you know, it takes for, to play pros, to play college, to play juniors, um, to train. So we were like, let's just, you know, provide, you know, good, solid information about tennis, um, on that perspective. I think tennis, there's a lot of people covering tennis that do really well. You crack rackets. I think there's a fresh new all these new faces that is fun to, to, you especially know, now, right. News. COVID yeah. really opened up the kind of open the field. Exactly. News. Yeah. I think it's really nice, but it, just in terms of information, I think there's a lot of like iffy stuff when you like Google, you know, just technical things and all these kind of things that I'm just kind of like, what are they talking about? Is this very kind of clickbaity or whatever? Right. So I just like, I was just like, look, I, I like tennis. I like, you know, I always wanted to, 
part of me, you know, part of my personality is I always want to be someone who, you know, I think decides what I can do. And I think, you know, having this business business is, is something that like, you know, hopefully it will become our main, main time job. Like that's, I mean, that is the goal. Cool. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, we, we, I, I kind of took over the YouTube stuff a little bit more. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, the one year plan is still really, you know, putting out a lot of content, like how we're putting, we're doing record reviews. I think that's something that a lot of people do online, but then you see someone, you know, who, who's obviously can play and, and that's what we right. kind of got on the, the comments. Like, Oh my God, this is, a, you, you can actually hit the ball and you're talking about um, the, this racket. Yeah, it's not like, like when a, I review a racket. <laughs> yeah, <it's> a, so, <laughs> Me and my 4.5 women's tennis. Yes, I understand. And I, and I think one thing that we are aiming at, I, I, and I kind of compare it to like, <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> but not now. Um, one thing that I kind of compare about is like, like I'm, I'm an amateur golfer. Okay. Right? And I can Google all these things um, to make me better, but a lot of it will be just kind of gimmicky. And I don't know exactly what is right, what is wrong when I watch those videos. Mm-hmm. But as I'm teaching tennis, I'm like, I am thinking to the 4.5 person, to the, uh, you know, 5.0 person that, how can I help you win more matches instead of like going into this rabbit hole of like, how can I hit my forehand like feather right. or things like that? Um, I will, you know, I'm thinking more, you know, easy solution solutions to certain problems that I see. And I see, fr- you know, a lot of the things like we cover and especially things I talk about in videos, it's, it's things that um, I see in, you know, in my coaching, you know, I see, not necessarily just from the kids, but from the parents. Like I have a lot of discussions, for example, I, I made a video about this. I'm like, I have a lot of discussions with parents like, hey, he shouldn't, my kid shouldn't have lost to that person. He has such bad strokes and he's such a pusher, blah, 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 blah. I'm like. <laughs> Heard that, I'm yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, and I'm like, wait, like, why are you talking about? Like, well, all I'm hearing is that the other person was just a better competitor than your kid. So mm-hmm. you, you're blaming, you know, his whatever his his or hers um strokes but it's not necessarily what made him or her lose the match it's more right. um other things mental aspects hard, the, the, yeah. that hard that those kind of things yeah and i you know those are s- sort of issues that like i you know i again with technique for example teaching technique online is tough but yeah. um i think everyone hits the ball a little bit different, but there are a few things that we can all think about, you know, as a whole. So we do that. I mean, we do a lot of like, I mean, some of the articles we have are really for beginners, people who don't really know tennis at all. Uh, If you're looking for strings, if you're looking for rules of the game, up there, rules of the game, we have a lot of rules of the game. Yeah. We actually have a lot of rules of the game because people Google that stuff. And we, we, you know, it is really a website that we're like, we want to provide the, most quality information we can uh, for mm. people. And I think that's the goal. I mean, we obviously um, have our goals in terms of monetization and things like that with time, sure. but not to the point that we, you know, we all work, we all, we're all okay. We don't have to like, um, yeah. you know, sell you some, some terrible products just to, for the sake of it. So I think that's the goal. And eventually, I mean, we've talked about like five year plans of like, hopefully maybe one day, having like a few courts like our courts maybe having like a my tennis hq academy and you know that we can wow. teach tennis that we can 
uh, do live ball workouts, do something like that. I think we have like, you know, more, not just online plans. We want to eventually get into maybe a physical part of my tennis HQ, uh, which is all like, I'm in, I'm here. He's in Dallas, Austin Rapp, who also played at UCLA with me. He's yeah. in Austin now. He's the, um, I don't know if I can say it. I'll say it. He's the volunteer coach at, at, at Texas now. He so, is? Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know he was doing that. Good for yeah, him. I'm honestly not sure if I can say that. But like, well, good. you just but did. Come out. So, so, now um, everybody he, knows. Exactly. So <laughs> You he, heard it first on Parenting Aces. <laughs> remember that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure he announced it. Oh, whatever. So we we all have this this plan. So so we're kind of scattered around right now. I mean, it's, it's tough. We're yeah. you know twenty five, twenty six. So we're in that phase of life. But eventually, hopefully, in the next five years, if we continue to see the growth, we want to you know maybe be in one location, all three of us, and mm-hmm. you know make that our full time uh, job. So we're really excited, and I think the prospects have been nice. I mean, we're growing a good amount on YouTube as well, and. And I think the pandemic kind of was, wasn't great for us because there wasn't a lot of tennis. People weren't very curious about tennis at the time, but now mm-hmm. it's getting better. So really, really fun project. And it was nice during the pandemic to have it as well, uh, something to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, been, it's been really rewarding. I think like we're, we're having a good time. I think it shows on the work that we're doing. Yeah, no, it's great. And you all have information on nutrition and all kinds of stuff, fitness stuff on there. Um, a lot of the same categories of information that we have on Parenting Aces, but ours is geared toward junior in college. Y'all yeah. is geared toward kind of anybody that needs Yeah, a lot, anybody. We, we want, you don't want to necessarily make it to like, tennis can be a little, a little um, overwhelming for, for sure. people, you know what I mean? Especially if you're just starting. Um, and I think, uh, you know, those those players are often a little bit forgotten that way. It's like, yeah. like, for us, it's so easy to understand, like, oh, it's 40, 15, 30, 40. But then for someone who never, it's like, what, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. oh, you have to win what? And then you have to win four points. But you have to win Is that your puppy points. making all that noise? Yeah, it's my I puppy. Want to see him. Bring him up. Oh, oh my goodness. Hi. What's his hey, name? Hi. River. River. Hi. Hi. Oh, yeah, he's so cute. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he slapped a lot, so he's starting to get a little bit. <laughs> it's playtime. So, so, yeah, it's it's one of those things that, um, you know, it, it, we forget. For us, it's so easy to, to, to know the rules, but for a lot right. of people, it's not. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that we're, we're definitely, you know, aiming at those those players. And also, like, I, I'm, I always like – gear i liked rackets i like testing rackets i'm actually even switching to to a new new racket now uh because of all this testing and and you know i like you know providing information that maybe i didn't have when mm-hmm. i was like you know playing and like i didn't know anything about weighting rackets or balance and all that i just kind of played right. about what felt good but maybe it wasn't the right racket for me so um things like that i think it's fun and i think it's a good project and especially with me traveling like i'll get a lot of access to you know watching pros and things sure like that. So it's, it's been a good but pretty fun thing and i hope like we you know we can keep scaling and growing and, and you know just hopefully eventually becomes like a full-time thing for us Awesome. Well, for those of you watching that are interested, here's the link again to my tennis HQ and have a look. And crew, where are you coaching when you're in LA? Who are you working? You mentioned Carson for a while. Yeah, so- no, I work with a lot of juniors, mostly on the west side and uh, Studio City a lot. I'm a lot in Studio City actually. Um, there's like a few players. It's just an easy 
midpoint there. LA is just big, so it's kind of hard yeah. to like. It, it's just really hard to like be in your area. Like I actually live far. I live down by uh, the South Bay, but I, I end up having to drive a little bit. Um, You're close there. to me. Yeah, I'm in. The, I'm in like Hermosa, we're north of nice. Yeah, nice. Um, but so if people there, are interested in working with you, is I mean. When you're in town, is there a way to get a hold of you? Um, yeah, I mean, if you go on my Instagram, I put there. I think I have my uh, my Instagram is Carousel, uh, and I put um, just my email there. It's a uh, contact Carou, so contact Carou at gmail.com, So it's kind of easy. Um, oh, here here's his Instagram, and yeah. it's contact. I'm gonna type that in too at gmail.com. Yeah. And here we go. There you so go. Those of you so that, that, that'll be the easiest way. Yeah, okay. I'm like you know, I'm kind of. I've been. I have this one kid I've been working with for a long time. Uh, he's actually Brazilian, and you know, it's like his dad. We're almost like family now. It's like really cool. Nice. And I have like a few other ones. So you know, been pretty actually busy since I came back, um, putting a lot of hours. So but I, you know, I enjoy it. And it's it's a good time. But yeah, I mean, you can always like reach out. To, to, to me, you know, if I have the time, obviously, um, we can figure something out. But I have a lot there. And, again, if I, I, I wish I had some more down here where I'm at, like, like Manhattan Beach or Mosa Beach. Yeah. Um, it would be a little bit easier to, for me. But, you know. You well, gotta, there you go. <laughs> if any of our viewers live in that area, Karu is looking for kids to work with down, there you go. down in the bay. Um, well, Karu, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad we finally figured out how to make it happen. And hit miss hit miss so um congratulations to you on all of your amazing opportunities and growth and uh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you um, it's fun to see you now yeah. out of college i you know i watched you in college was, rowdy kid. Four years already it's terrible i get going by way too quickly I'm yeah like, oh my god i'm you know i'm literally four years out of college now it's wild uh, i still feel like i was there like you know playing with the guys like very recently so yeah it goes by really quickly but yeah i mean it's uh, a lot happened in this last four years coach played coach naomi like there's like a lot going on um and then when i'm playing when i'm traveling with her i'm like oh my god i need to go play again because like you know you just get that <laughs> you, you get, get that drive again so yeah. it's like you never know maybe, maybe 2021 i'll make a comeback you never know there you Bye. go. We'll be um, out cheering for you. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, it was great, great to chat with you. You too. And to our viewers, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. Bye-bye. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.